You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hockey fans, if you'd like a copy of my new book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to flankerpress.com. If you'd like a personalized copy for $25 plus shipping, email me at terryryan2020 at gmail.com. That's terryryan2020 at gmail.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 130A of Tales with TR. I'm your host, Terry Ryan Jr. Big thanks to Terry Ryan Sr. for last week. Always an interesting conversation with Sr. And as I... As I sit here now, it's 2.26 p.m. On a Tuesday in Mount Pearl, Newfoundland, my daughter missed today. She's real sick. Um, 200 kids in the school are out, so something's going around. And uh, it's snowing a lot. It's the first real snowfall we've had of any significance whatsoever. And uh, i got to be honest, it feels kind of cozy. It does feel like that time of year i'll never give in and say i like winter you know because at some point it's shoveling and it's even now right he's got a bundle up to go out it's i mean it's all good we choose to live here and our ancestors brought us here and it's all i mean i did live in orlando and as much as i complain about it about uh, the weather up in canada in orlando 
I find it didn't change much. I mean, there is people are also up here are kind of oblivious to the fact that there are seasons down there. They're just very they're much more subtle. But uh, you know, it was weird. It was just weird being in the winter and not having a winter vibe. So, like up here, you know, for me, I, I, I guess it has to do with, I don't know, brain wavelengths or whatever it might be, or serotonin released when the sun comes out. But the days get longer, they get warmer, and people are generally happier for that reason. So, spring to me is just awesome. I love spring. But there are things about the winter I like. You know, I like hockey, for example. I was talking with my buddies Jason Hedges and Chris Pettigrew the other day while we were putting on our gear. Now I'm not playing senior hockey this year, largely. I mean, I'm I'm getting old for it, right? Obviously, no one wants to admit that. But I gotta be gone during the coveted Herder Championship, the Herder Memorial here. The Herder Trophy is, you know, big. It's you know, it's just a big, you know, we all play with pride for the herder it goes back over a hundred years it's got a big tradition legacy a lot of great players have wanted and gone on to play pro or had played pro and it, it and then that's kind of has nothing to do with it i guess it's little side stories but you know these communities in newfoundland they put a team together and they try to win that's the newfoundland senior hockey championship i've talked about it lots but uh, and, you know, like a lot of fans around here. And then, you know, if you win, you can go on to the Allen Cup. And we've won two or three, two Allen Cups in the last decade. But honestly, fans around here often care more about the Herder. It's more of a, they're more in tune with its local tradition. And, you know, you get all kinds of names that go down, like Paul Bunyan at this point, right? Like there's stories that, the you know, the folklore of it all, the, the stories that, it passed on and that last and you know i grew up fantasizing about being as good as danky dorrington in cornerbrook uh or george the animal faulkner one of the best ever his brother alec played in the nhl the first newfoundlander i think um kirby dumaresk and uh, jolton joe lundrigan and Kevin Morrison coming in to clean up after an NHL career. You know, all these stories are kind of local folklore. And uh, it's, yeah, it, I got to be honest, it kind of hurts this year not to be playing for it. I've played for the Herder for almost 20 years now. My NHL career and pro career got cut short, as I've often talked about. And I thought that would be it, but I did. You know, after a couple of years, man, I lost a lot of weight. I got myself in ball hockey shape and living more positive and working on my ankle and it did get you know uh, again if you told me in 2003 i thought i was done hockey for good so the fact that i could play senior for all these years has been a blessing because i love doing it i love having something to play for and if you like senior hockey and you're from newfoundland that's great because we've got one of the biggest followings in the world i, I would have to think i've been all over i've played in every province just about or a scene uh, at least you know and our senior league here is second to none and the interest, you know, at the end of the year, it's and often during, but definitely at the end of the year, it's sold out, you know, like, I mean, scalper type situations. So, uh, but I'm going to be gone. I'm going to be gone shooting a film in uh, March and April. So that pretty much takes me out of the playoffs. So I guess this is the year that Peter Pan grows up, right? 
so I'm skating every day. God, do I ramble as I say every episode. Um, but the point was, yeah, I was talking with my buddies. So I'm skating every day at like 11 or 12. I hate it. If I'm not going to be with the boys and playing senior hockey, I got no time for skating at 10 and 11 at night. Fuck that. I like going in the morning and there's enough great skates on the go. The best skates in town are in uh, at noon. Uh, anywhere between 11 and, say, 2 or 3 o'clock every day. So I skate a lot. I just miss the the thrill of playing for something like that. And, you know, knowing that someone might hit you, knowing someone at the scrum might fight you again, not that I'm itching for a fight, but just knowing that that might happen. And, you know, I guess I have God, last few years I've been in many fights. It happens here and there. If, you know, I'm not you know, back you watch me, the highlights you see, you know, anybody fucks around at all, my gloves are off. It wasn't the case at all in senior. I, a lot of these kids now, I've, I'm, I've coached at some point. So, you know, I'm out there. I play the game. I respect it. I finish my hits. Uh, I think two years ago, I remember the last fight I got in, one all year, maybe one or two in the last three or four years, honestly. But knowing that that isn't going to ever happen again, it's weird. It's a weird thought. You know, like... Penny Lane asked me about it. You know, are you getting hockey fights? And I was like, well, or, you know, Dad, when are you going to fight again? Like, I plan it. Now, I did do that thing in the ultimate hockey fighting thing. That was a one-off. So I said, no, that's not really the way it works. And she said, oh, so you'll probably get in a hockey fight again at some point. I'm like, you know what, though? No, I won't, though. No. I had to explain to her, you know, senior hockey. Senior hockey, you see, saying those words, it sounds like senior citizens hockey. So when I say senior hockey, she thinks that's the... Until recently, she thought that was the lowest of the low. And if I go to like beer league or a skate at noon, that's a joke. But it's quite the opposite, I, I tell her. So now that she gets a grasp of it, yeah, you know, it's one thing to not. I really miss the bus rides with the boys and hanging out and having a common goal that we can talk about over beers on a Friday night, you know, and, and you know, just going over the lineup and seeing where you fit in and you know i love taking the last few years i doesn't have, i don't have to be on the first power play or go end to end i really enjoyed like fitting in and seeing guys like jordan escott and kyle mcgraw come onto the scene and i'm like well look i could still push them if i really wanted and i do really want but you know i'll probably better in a third line here and have those guys take over and now i can go and play two-way i'll be on the power play still maybe and work myself in i've even gone to the fourth line at times i don't mind it but i what i like is is playing for a common goal that's worth playing for okay ball hockey that's a national championship or a world championship and a nice hockey that's a local herder championship slash allen cup and that's really i've been playing for those things for a long time and i know it's not the nhl but you know it's not the same playing beer league or shinny skates or to go to a tournament, you know, we're going to get a team together and go to some tournaments, but with no hitting, it just takes a level away. And it just reminds me, I guess, that I'm getting older and I really wasn't ready to stop, even though technically I'm 45. But, you know, I'm still flying around with the boys and I'm skating with them every day. They're my buddies. I played with the Caps for the last five years, right? Largely the same core. Real, real good friends, you know, you Talk about friends in pro hockey. There's still that element of like, you know, you might steal my job and there's, you know, this guy gets X amount of dollars and I don't. I mean, I never thought like that. I can understand people that do. 
and it's more of a business. So you do have to kind of, you know, there's a personal journey going on in pro amongst the ultimate team sport. It's a wild dichotomy. But um, as far as, you know, senior hockey, it was more just camaraderie. I got to be honest. I never, I mean, obviously when I first came back and for the most of my senior hockey days, I was playing on the first line. <laughs> Shit, you know, I mean, point being, I, I just never, like that ice time and how we're going to, that never really entered the equation. And like I said, there's times, I mean, I've won the scoring. The next year at times I was on the third line, uh, fourth, right? There's, you know, boys need a fight. I'm, I can do that too. I, I'm going to toot my horn a little more than I'd like to. I'm not I'm not saying that, okay? I'm actually saying the opposite. I don't give a shit. Um, I'll, if the team needs it, I'll play on the fourth line and be happy doing it. Uh, I just miss that camaraderie. But outside of that, that a lot of people don't really focus on, and it's just coming into my mind now, it's that, yeah, there's no adrenaline anymore. There is. Right. Like today I'm out there skating at noon. I mean, I want to beat Jamie Tobin, you know, and Donny Goss and my buddies. And we just split it up every, you know, four times a week in the red team and black team. While you're out there during the moment, you know, you want to win for pride. But the adrenaline of going out there and being judged, I guess, by a fan base. People talk about that like, like it's a negative. It keeps me on my toes. Um, like I said, having the puck and having your head down and knowing you might get lit up going through the middle, which has definitely happened, you know, the last few years. It's senior, the game has changed, but there's, you know, there's hitting. And um, it's as physical as the next league. It's just, I think hockey overall has changed. But, you know, like you, and, and, and I guess a lot of people that are involved in the game go through this a lot earlier. But, you know, leaving pro hockey was one thing. But like I said, I like the thought of, you know, someone might hit the goalie and I might have to fight him, to be honest. And I don't know if that's primal instinct of wanting to let out some pent-up frustration. I'm really not sure. Um, I, I, I don't know. But I know that it kind of disappoints me. That I'm probably not going to be in that situation anymore. And you know what? God loves Shorzy. Because the next best thing is pretending to be, right? And I'm in the thick of it with the Sudbury Blueberry Bulldogs, I tell you that, in the no-show. And I'm not sure what's about to happen. If if I hear real good things, we do season two and three. But um, Penny Lane, I'm recording now. Keep it down, okay? At least to a dull roar. Um, Penny Lane missed today. Sick. And uh, I've seen sicker, but you know, these day, this day and age, there's a cough. You got to keep them home. And I got to be honest, she's a trooper. This is the first day she's remotely missed all year. And she really, I had to convince her at the last minute because um, she wanted to, if you can believe it, go in and redo a French test. So I admire her spunk and I admire her desire to get good grades. That innate that that's something that's in your it's not and that's that i don't know what i was just talking about so we're going to leave it there um but that you know that's what a competitor like, 
I see kids and all of a sudden they turn a corner when they get really competitive. So Penny Lane's really competitive. I mean, she got really upset. She came home the other day and like her, her test was graded a 73 and she freaked. She said, there's nothing wrong on this. There's I mean, it bothered her the whole day. She went in the next day. And so it brought her GPA, if you can believe this, down to a 98. Now they're in grade seven, but that just kind of started this year. And she's really competitive. I just, I mean, I was competitive. I got great, great marks because my parents would hold me accountable. But this is insane. I'm like, Penny Lane, relax. You know, you got a 99 average for real here. And so that brought it down to 98.7 or whatever. And she was upset. She went in, got it corrected and came home. And I really had to sit her down and go, that's really not a big deal. I, I thought I'd be having the conversation the other way around. You got to take it serious. But there's also worrying about nothing. And, you know, clearly you're a great student. You didn't, you, if you didn't grasp something, that's when I used to get frustrated, right? If I didn't grasp the mathematics or like, what the hell is Shakespeare talking about? I can't decipher this. I, those were two big, big ones. But I, I believe calculus, when that, once that hit, I was like, oh God, what's happening? And uh, Shakespeare, which I now love, but at the time I didn't understand any of it. I was like, what is happening? And I could see getting frustrated at that, but just getting a mark on a test because you accidentally screwed up a, you know, it's an accident. It's a brain crap. It's great. That means really nothing. Even grade seven. But uh, anyway, right? But you can see a few of the athletes. That's the way they also think because they're competitive. So, you know, you could be a parent. You're looking at it. If your kid hates putting on his skates or her skates still at age 12 or 13, Maybe, maybe take them out. But when I saw that, and she's the same way on the field, plays a lot of soccer, like I said, just started volleyball this year, her and her friends, So, because there's a school team. So her school volleyball team is a bunch of athletes, mostly soccer and hockey, that can track the ball down because it's volleyball and you know can keep it up in the air and be okay. I think they finished third um, in like a 10-team tournament last weekend or, or, or something to, to the and, – and, you know, some of the teams were – the top two were unbeatable, first of all. And, uh, you know, they're athletes, but but same thing, right? They'll get really intense and upset. And I'm going, on one hand, relax. But on the other, that's what motivates you. Like, I see it, right? I can see sometimes it was subconscious in myself. But you see an athlete, you just see the competitive nature. Like even if we play Monopoly, she's pissed off to lose. And I know some people say that, well, boy, you got to be pissed off to lose checkers. And some people laugh, but no, that's the way it is. Uh, you don't have to be an athlete. It just really, really helps if you're athletic and you have that attitude. You happen to have some level of genetic help in that you're, you know, genetics aren't everything. I'm sure they have something to do. I mean, there's, how many players ever played in the NHL or WHA from Newfoundland? It's less than 40. I don't know what it is. Uh, you know, me and my dad being two of them, I, I don't think all that is left to chance. I, there's got to be some something genetically there. I don't know what. Maybe it's the competitive thing because he was the opposite player. He was a fast bullet. I really had to work on my skating. Um, I was kind of a powered forward. He was perimeter forward, speed. So I'm not saying that you're going to be the exact same, but something's there. It must be. It must be. Right? Look at all the NHLers that are brothers, Stahl brothers, the Sutter brothers, and then just father, son. Right? Dave Manson, Josh Manson. I can go on and on and on and on and on. Stastny, I go on and on. Is there, but to, 
you know, there's still the age-old stat. Bob uh, McCowan says in his book, I forget what, I think it's 1 in 33,000. If you're a minor hockey player, you have 1 in 33,000 chance. You're putting on your skates. You're in You're in novice. You're in Timbits hockey. There you go. You're putting on your skates. 1 in 33,000 chance you're ever going to play a game pro, let alone National Hockey League. I forget. It's like 0.001%. Get to skate around, and that's why... Fuck, I can't look back and be disappointed. I can be disappointed in my own expectations, but holy fuck, I still get pumped that I played in the NHL, even even if it was for a goddamn shift, right? That's how rare it is. But yet all these relatives are in the NHL? Or, I don't know, Al Ripken and Ken Griffey, or go down, you know, Bonds, I go down the list of... Baseball players, Vladdy Guerrero, right? They're, I mean, chances are if these people probably picked up a soccer ball, they'd be good at that too. But there's an athletic gene. There has to be. So if you've got it, that's awesome. If you've got it with that competitive desire, that's dangerous. And most of the athletes you see excel by the time they're 16 or 17 or 18 have both. Am I wrong? Think about it. Just think about it. Because if you don't have that competitive edge, I really think. I know it because I saw people do it. You know, you'll be over before it starts. If you're from Newfoundland, there's no way you can play here right up and, and, and stay. You've got to leave. And it happens for a lot of people. I'd say half at that point. I'm 15. I don't want to go. Okay. Alex Newhook did. Terry Ryan did. Danny Cleary did. Michael Ryder did. Dawson Mercer did. And they got there. There's lots of great players that didn't. Now they're back here working in the mill or in the factory or maybe they got a great job. But when it comes to hockey, right, you got you got to make that sacrifice. And that is being competitive when it really comes down to it and being addicted to what you do and focused and determined. But if you're not competitive and you don't have that, fuck, I hate losing. And fuck, I'm going to do it. I don't give a shit. I will do it. I will do it. I laugh, but that's why I put hot sauce on my hands. Beat up that guy in junior after he beat me up. That's extreme, but that's what it was. I could have just said, you know, fuck this. I'm going to go back. I'm a fairly smart kid. I do okay in school. I could have folded the tent and come back here. I could have gone to Yale. I was offered to go to Yale. So you know what? Go to prep school, go to Yale, and not have to deal with any of this shit, fighting and draft pressure and all that. And I get an education from Yale. I can go wherever I want and do whatever the fuck I want with whatever degree I get there. And that's pretty much true. You had an Ivy League education, but I didn't. And a lot of people don't. Right? Now, I could have probably done both, but I'm just saying, you know, it's not a bad decision to go play Ivy League hockey. But for me, I knew my best route at the time, and it involved going through the Western Hockey League. So fuck it. If I got to fight some 20-year-olds, screw it. I'll do it. Am I going to die? No? Okay. I'm good. Right. And a lot of athletes now, again, that's fucking extreme. But Alex Newhook, great hockey player, obviously, Stanley Cup winner off to a rough start and just started turning it on. He's doing well again. Right. But Alex left at 14 years old to play prep school because he would have gone backwards here. He was that good. Need to get better competition. Anyway, I can go on and on and on. Swimmers, tennis players. You know, think of athletes that you know that are elite. What do they have? They either got a crazy fucking parent, which is not good, but either they got that, driving them there every day and pretty much telling them, 
they better do it or else. Or they've got a crazy fucking competitive nature to them. Usually it's the latter. Unfortunately, sometimes it's the former. Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pre-game money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Now, I talked about music in these. By the way, thanks a lot to Senior. We got some great feedback, and we're going to have Brad Lukowicz on in a couple days. Two-time Stanley Cup winger, uh, winner. And, uh, God, we go way back. Way back to exactly that. I went to Cornell. I tell you guys, as a 14-year-old, Luco was a 15-year-old playing in Cranbrook. So we were both playing junior A as, as Bantam guys. And we had a few fights. And uh, he played for Kamloops, won a couple Memorial Cups, went to win a couple Stanley Cups. And, uh, you know, I always liked Luco. Never played on his team. And like I said, we fought, for God's sakes, in more than one line brawl. But uh, looking forward to having them. So I'll leave that there where it is. And get back to that in a couple of days. But listen. So some people, like I said, reminded me about the music recommendations, whatever it is. I guess more of a... It's not always a recommendation because I know every single person here is not going to like what I got to say. But if nothing else, what I'm going to say is worth checking out on a historical basis. So listen. Here I am again. I went with Patsy Klein last week, and I think Eric B. and Rakeem paid in full. So, look, country is part of what I listen to, but not like the typical Bayman around here or the typical uh, Westerner. I like country music. My dad, like I said, had all the albums there. So old school country, I've got an affinity for it. I know it sounds twangy to people if they don't listen to it a lot it's often just well sometimes just a guitar but it's you know guitar bass drums singer you know it's it, 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 a lot of people you know it's minimalistic old school country i'm saying but it still should be respected i mean hank williams who you can keep going back pete seeger i mean you can keep going back to people that folk and what is folk and what's country and what's country rock and you know but i'm going back to the people that founded this fucking genre and hank williams is probably my favorite that goes furthest back okay and you know hank williams you hear there's a tear in my beer and he's wailing away on his guitar and again very minimalistic it's not like you're going to hear an orchestra but it's very important, and it paved the way for a lot of other things. Like Hank Williams is as important to country as I often go off about the Beatles. If you don't like the Beatles, the Stones, or whatever, like, you know, the, the beginning of that classic rock sound. Well, for country, Hank Williams, and of course, guys like Chris Christopherson, guys like Waylon Jennings, which came after Hank, of course. He's going way, way back. Hank's back to the 30s. 
But these guys start coming in, the 50s and 60s. And uh, one of my favorites, of course, is Johnny Cash. So, again, if you're even if you're not into music, Johnny Cash transcended country music. He transcended music in general. Um, I mean, I think he's an icon, but you could argue that. But he's important. He's important in uh, the way the world, you know, at the, he was had his finger on the pulse of the world at that time. And whether you love him or hate him, whether you are into his music or hate the fact that he got caught with drugs or whatever it might be. He's a very deep and layered individual. His whole story, I recommend the movie Walk the Line, which I guess now is like 15 years old. I say it like it just came out. Penny Lane was like, what are you talking about? I was trying to tell her, you know, we're getting into Johnny Cash now. That's not for a five-year-old. And uh, I'm like, yeah, you're right. So I probably should talk about it. Now, listen, I'm thinking most people should, should really have a, have a grasp of this, but Again, for its importance. Now, listen. Again, even if you're not in, into it, bear with me, okay? Now, my favorite Johnny Cash album, other than the last three he put out, I think they were American 1, 2, and 3 before he died, which were all covers, but they kind of stand on their own to me, and I like them for a different reason. But if you look at everything that Johnny Cash had, had done, like I talked about, you know, and that's a lot. Remember me and Senior last week were talking about the Stones and everything they'd done, but and they've done a lot, but I can I can distinctly say that Symphony for the Devil is my favorite. I think it's an absolute masterpiece. It's up there with anything the Beatles did, and I I love it. Um, with with anything anybody did, it's it's a songwriting musical masterpiece in my mind. Now, and it was also again importance, right? Importance, and with as far as the Stones, I had satisfaction being number two for me. I can't get no satisfaction. Anyway, getting off topic. So. At Folsom Prison is an album by Johnny Cash, okay? Now, he, the song Folsom Prison Blues that he's famous, one of the songs he's famous for, he's famous for a lot, but that was pretty early. That was in the 1950s. Well, he wrote it, he wanted to do it live at Folsom in the 50s, and they didn't want, no one, the Columbia Records, I think he was with, they didn't want to do it. And it lasted, it went 10, 12 years, and it was just left on the table. Now, Columbia changed personnel shortly after. And this was 1960, shortly after, sure, he had a, I remember he got caught over the border, going over the border with drugs, and he was a pillhead for the most part. But, you know, there was a lot of drug experimentation, and Johnny Cash got caught with it more than once. So I know it happened in 67, I believe, because live at Folsom Prison was 68. So he was, I mean, he says he was off the sauce. I think he was still boozing a bit, but, I mean, he was out of control before that. In 1968, he started to be more sober. I mean, who can say if he was fully sober? That's for Johnny Cash and probably June Carter that probably know and that went to the grave with them. Judging by just the books I read in the movie, you never really know, but in 1968. But in any case, they finally, so he lays off the booze. He's fairly sober. They finally, you know, Columbia changes and they say, you know what, we're into this idea. So, and Cash would sense because he'd, in the early 50s, uh, he got the idea for Folsom Prison while he was at war. I mean, he served that war. He was pretty much an altar boy kind of thing. And then he gets into it, the persona. He gets caught with drugs, and now he, he, he did serve time himself. So now there's a little bit more authenticity. Even though he wanted it out in the 50s, now he's lived. He's been a drug addict, right? He's gotten caught with drugs. He's gotten charged. Uh, so now there's a little more playing at the prison isn't so 
out of his realm, right? So now the execs are kind of getting off on the idea. So 1968, he grabs June Carter, his wife, Carl Perkins, who had a hit with blue suede shoes. So you guys that know that, yeah, it was, don't you step on my blue suede shoes. A lot of people think it's Elvis. It's not. Elvis put out a crappier version years later. I mean, I love Elvis, but I wouldn't. If I'm listening to Blue Suede Shoes, I'm listening to its originator, Carl Perkins. So Perkins comes and joins him and Carter and the Tennessee Three, which was Cash's band. And in the song Folsom Prison, so it's weird enough that he's playing in this place. And, you know, it's maximum security. There's rapists, murderers. There's all kinds, right? There's also people that are probably innocent. But I think they say in uh, Shawshank Redemption, well, everybody's innocent in here. But anyway, he's in there amongst some fucking loons that have never been treated to a show like this. And there's people that are upset, right, in and around the area going, I mean, I wanted to see Johnny Cash live and I can't do it. But this fucking guy serving 25 to life, he gets to hear him live. But Cash got off on that. And, you know, everybody's got a fucking story. I don't care. There's, I believe in people paying a punishment and in even certain cases, the death penalty, certain, certain cases. But, you know, there's all kinds of nuance to this. There's the crimes of passion. There's people that were young that at the time, weed, selling weed would get you fucking life for God's sakes at certain places, depending on how much. So, you know, I kind of respect the audience. I don't, it, you know, I think if I knew what each individual person did, it might be a little bit different. But the fact that, he goes in and look, if you haven't seen Walk the Line, this is one of the best movie uh, biopics ever. And uh, it opens up with the scene that I'm talking about. But anyway, I believe. Um, but anyway, now I've got in front of me the Rolling Stone top 500 greatest albums of all time. Now, this was the one that came out 10 years ago. It's recently been updated. And I'll get into that another time. I don't, I, I don't really agree and it's going to sound ignorant when I say why. But anyway, this is all subjective, okay? This is all subjective. So at Folsom Prison is number 88 in this particular uh, in this particular version of the Rolling Stones Top 500. Now, again, it's subjective, but I believe how they do this, and they say it at the beginning, you know, they... they uh, Basically, put it both, and it's, I think, like a thousand, five hundred to a thousand. Um, oops, five hundred to a thousand music executives, uh, songwriters, singer songwriters, people involved in the music business. Uh, so that's how they do it. They try to get. So I mean, again, this is subjective, but Johnny Cash live at Folsom Prison is always in the top five hundred. And yes, five hundred seems like a lot, but. Really think of how many albums come out every week, let alone every month or every year. You know, so of all time, that's a lot. It's being just on the record is a huge accomplishment. So I'll read what they say about it. Okay. By the late 1960s, Cass was ignored by country radio and struggling for a comeback. At Folsom Prison was a million seller that reignited his career. It's essential cash. Backed by a tough touring band, including fellow Sun Records alum Carl Perkins on guitar, Cash guffaws his way through cocaine blues, 
25 minutes to go, a countdown to execution, and, of course, Folsom Prison Blues with its line about shooting a man just to watch him die. The 2,000 inmates in attendance roar their approval. So just the context as well that they don't talk about here, Robert Kennedy was just shot by Sirhan Sirhan, Robert Kennedy of the famous political Kennedy family. So, I, you know, reading the stories and the books, Eric Clapton even talks about it. You know, it had a big reverberation in the music community because it was political. He didn't mean any disrespect, but shooting a man just to watch him die, that's really risque in the 60s to say that. And then, of course, I mean, right around that time, Kennedy was shot. So a lot of people banded on a lot of community and a lot of radio stations, which, of course, only made it more popular at the uh, till, you know, at the box office, I go there the, at the cash register. So it ended up vaulting to number one. It was it became, you know, it, 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 to me, it ignited the resurgence of Johnny Cash. And he had about four. He had about four. The guy was a fucking survivor. His last being those albums I talked about in the early 2000s, American 1, 2, and 3. I think he went up to five. They're fucking phenomenal. One of the best videos ever, Johnny Cash Hurt, of course, a Trent Reznor song. But anyway, uh, Personal Jesus, Jesus is my favorite of the group. He does a Depeche Mode song. Anyway, that's that. But check out, if you haven't seen Walk the Line, I mean, you got to check that out. Check out Johnny Cash at Folsom Prison. I believe it's 1968. If it's not, it's 67. But it's just wild to listen to. And the actual recording is done. He had You, you might hear Folsom Prison Blues from the 50s, but listen to it on this album. Uh, I think it's the only common denominator. But, you know, when he sings it with the, uh, 2,000 inmates behind him roaring, it's worth the cash, man. It's worth the cash. It's a moment lost in time. Worth the cash, no pun intended. Although, great pun. Uh, worth the cash. Fuck, that would have been a good album for him. Maybe it is a compilation or something, but I, not that I know of. But uh, anyway, it really is. It's a moment in time that almost you're like, what? It Again, not to refer to the Beatles, but I often... or. or I often refer to their genius because of when it came out. Like right now, it's it survived this it survives this, the test of time. But even like okay, I overdo the Beatles. Let's say the Stones. Let's say my favorite by the Stones, "Sympathy for the Devil." Right, that you hear it now. It's a great song. If that came out right now, you'd say "fuck great rock song." But you often forget when you listen when it came out. That's to me the the great part of it is. The other songs that would have been out at the time. Sympathy for the devil. Think of what you're saying and think about the time that you're saying it in. Where people would get fired for growing their hair long. Not a face tattoo. Growing their hair long. Where Mick Jagger went on stage in the Ed Sullivan Theater and Ed Sullivan asked him to say, let's spend the night, to let's spend some time together instead of let's spend the night together. One of the Stones' early songs let's spend some time or sorry, the night together. And they literally had to say, let's spend some time together on the air or it would have been now. Did Mick Jagger do that? No. Uh, people like Jim Morrison often went off the rails, but 
I'm just saying what the expectation was when you went on TV or when you put out a single or, you know, think about it. The Beach Boys are great, but until Pet Sounds and, you know, that's fantastic musically, but the songs, a lot of them are about cars and love and, you know, Elvis, you know, Don't Be Cruel and Teddy Bear. They're, they're all, Buddy Holly, they're all, they're all fucking great. And if they're, again, they're as great as the Beatles in a lot of ways, because if it hadn't been out, they wouldn't have been. And then the Stones and Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd. And I don't know who you're into now. Greta Van Fleet. Even if you're honestly, even if you're into rap and hip hop, like it made a huge difference. Run DMC were big classic rock fans. Check out Walk This Way video. You don't believe me? Check out the video for Walk This Way before you go any further with Aerosmith and Run DMC. And Aerosmith, who were they influenced by? The Beatles. What was the biggest rap hit of that year? Walk This Way by not Aerosmith, who had it out on their own seven years before that, by Run DMC featuring Aerosmith, right? But all, I mean, it all blends together. And I mean, I couldn't sit here and say the Beatles weren't influenced by B.B. King and Pete Seeger and fucking Hank Williams, because they were. But I just mean at that time, think about what you're saying with sympathy for the devil and the words to that, right? And then Paul Anka coming out with, oh, please stay by me, Diana. You know, I mean, great tune. And a lot of the songs back then, you know, honeycomb, won't you be my baby? Well, honeycomb, be my own. They're like cutesy little love songs because that's what people write about. That's what teenagers write about. So sympathy for the fucking devil was a jolt, was a slap upside of the head, right? Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band was like, what in the fuck are these guys talking about? Well, I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die? Might, you could make an argument that that's fucking crazier than all of it. As this is on the radio, oh, by the way, folks, he recorded this where? In Folsom Prison. The people that you hear cheering, the people Johnny's playing for and is adoring, they're maximum security sentences. They're the worst that our society has to offer. When did they cheer the loudest? When he said he looked at someone, shot him. The reason? I just wanted to see him die. And that's a lyric in a song that was a number one hit that year. I shot a man just to watch him die. I mean, it's fucking genius. It's innovative. It's courageous. It's historical. So there. Even if you fucking hate country music, if you hate the twang of it, listen to that album. Okay? That's Folsom Prison Blues. I didn't even talk about Yeah. I mean, the song 25 Minutes to Go is a countdown to an execution. Listen to the reaction you're getting in there from some people who are going to be executed. It's fucking crazy good. So, the last time I'll say it, if you're in the country or not, just sit back in this day and age that you got it, everybody needs to be, you know, you need your attention grabbed every minute. Like, you know, sit back and breathe. Put down your phone. Get off TikTok. Get off Instagram stories. Get off YouTube. Take your phone. Get off your video game. Put it down. And figure out, well, I guess you'll have to play, so use it. 
set up your stereo and play Folsom at Folsom Prison, start to finish by Johnny Cash. And if that intrigues you even a little bit and you haven't seen the movie Walk the Line, which is fucking fantastic, do it sooner than later. I highly recommend it. On that note, on that note, folks, I'm off. Uh, we're going to have 130B in just a couple days. I can't wait with my old friend Brad the Hammer Lukowicz, my old opponent and uh, two-time fucking Stanley Cup winger. He fucking winner. He, uh, you know, Luko was Kamloops' fifth or sixth defenseman, you know, never, never out of the lineup and never as in your face and or as... You know, let's just say it as talented as Scott Niedermeyer or Nolan Baumgartner. Uh, Jason Strudwick was there, Jason Holland. And he was just steady. He was steady Eddie. He was a poor man's version of Wade Redden, but tougher and would drop his gloves. And uh, yeah, ended up with two Stanley Cups with two different teams. So proud of him. Anyway, he's going to be on in a couple of days, and I'm really looking forward to that. Folks, folks, if you're in St. John's, and you're looking to work out, you want to get in shape, you should check out Power Conditioning, as I do three times a week, for strength, movement, and balance. It's simply the best place to go, folks, for your body and mind. Power Conditioning, Ryan Power, Rope Walk Lane. Check into it. Change your life now like I did. Pitbull Pain Relief. I love it. Check it out, pitbullpainrelief.com. The Kodiak product that I used to talk about, um, you know the the pain rub sticks or whatever. These are these are a game changer. I'm an aging athlete, as I spoke about earlier on this podcast, and that means my joints. Uh, some of them are always hurting, but uh, I feel it in my joints, especially on a cold day. I can, I'm looking out the window. Honestly, I'm not shitting you. I can feel it right now, and uh, it's not just joints though. This stuff is more ever. You know, it, it's it's a pain relief stick. So, I mean, to rub it over your knuckles and everything, I mean, it works for me in certain parts of my body, but it's big for like like a, a groin pull that's not really torn, like a Charlie horse, right? But in and around my joints and my knees, I don't mean like straight over my knee, but on the side, like people that are athletes, you know, your, your medial collateral and your ACL, I think it's your anterior cruciate ligament. So when I say joints, it's almost like ligaments and muscles that are around the joints. And that's what I do. I rub them on there, and guys, honestly, I can't feel it. It's it's It, it not only deadens it, but I honestly, it's perfect. It, it's almost like a, a healer. I mean this. Check it out, pitbullpainrelief.com. And it's uh, it's CBD or it's CBD slash THE. It's not that you get stoned or, from it or anything, but it's based in... Uh, hemp, marijuana, weed, whatever you're going to say. But it fucking works fantastically. Pitbull, Pitbull Pain Relief. And also, of course, right now, it's a busy time of year at Mr. Lube for great reason. Mr. Lube has two locations in St. John's, Torbay Road and Kenmount Road. Live, laugh, lube. Tire orders now available online. My buddy Chris Sparks is running that place. They're doing awesome because they got great workers. Uh, they're very fast. They're very efficient. He surrounds himself with good people, so I highly recommend for not just tire orders, for anything. It's Mr. Lube. You want your 
You got some mishaps with your car that they can take care of. I tell you, they'll do the best job. Two locations, Torbay Road, Camout Road, Live, Laugh, Lube. And like I said, the tire order is now available online. Makes it really easy. I ordered mine the other day. I wait. There's long lineups unless you call ahead. Call ahead. Get it done. Uh, if you're downtown St. John's, obviously, you're going to check out. If you want to have a beer anyway, you're going to check out TJ's Pub. You're going to check out Greensleeves, Trinity, Rob Roy Confusion, and... But of course, the Bull and Barrel. When I say Trinity Pub, folks, they also got trivia on Mondays, which is one of my favorite times to go down. So check that out. If you're going to go for a bite, why the fuck not go to Merchant Tavern or Blue on Water? And I mean, I, I think we're forgetting about Wedgwood Cafe at the end of Elizabeth Avenue. What a spot run by my buddy, Peter the Man Wedgwood, who also does catering. Check that out. True hockey, folks. Take what's yours. I absolutely love the true hockey gear, I'm not just saying it because uh, they're sponsoring me. I reached out to them because I love it so much. I can't say enough uh, for the sticks, for the product. Got my uh, got my gloves, my brand new true gloves. I'm loving those. And uh, helmet on the way. Uh, a lot Because I know a lot of you comment on that. You see me with my old bucket on and, on my Instagram stories. And uh, I get chirped quite a bit, as I should, as I should. Anyway, I'll talk about that and much more in just a couple days when my buddy and former opponent, Brad and Stanley Cup winner, Brad the Hammer Lukowicz, comes on the program. Thanks a lot for tuning in to 130B of Tales with TR. I'll be back real soon. Catch y'all on the reef.